Speak softly loud and hold me warm against your heart. I hear your Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And I'm so happy you're all listening again. Because if you're not listening, you wouldn't know what I'm saying. So I, I'm not. <laughs> you know, you a are mistake. very profound. You know that's not. That's a really. That's a. That's good. <laughs> you know, there's anybody that can put one over on you. I'm on, mm-hmm. the, I'm on yeah. anyway. Let's keep moving. <laughs> that, that could be an hour right there. But anyway, um, again, we want to welcome you and thank you. And we can see by our numbers, you're telling your friends to subscribe. We're getting tr- tremendous feedback, fortunately. And we're getting a lot of five-star ratings, so that that's all impressive to us. So we hope we're impressing you. And um, here we are with another great venture of uh, our pasts. <laughs> Not Megan's. Megan's just taking the ride. <laughs> she has nothing in her past. Yeah, I'm along for the She's ride. She's too young. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want to talk about, Pat? I tell you, I've been uh, I've been reminiscing about the the old neighborhood. Mm. Oh, uh, just just thinking about it. I mean, I'm stuck woods here. I, I still think I you're in the witness protection program. Pizza, 26 years. It's amazing. This is bad. Very bad. Well, every now and then, my mind wanders uh, back to Elizabeth Street, where where I lived. Uh, I live right next door to the Fifth Precinct. Hmm. Oh, uh, I, I so, wonder why and, you, you know, became a cop. Yeah, right. Well, I tell you, then I was growing up. The precinct was. Well, they're they're not that young now. I mean, they're uh, this two hundred year old precincts yet. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, uh, I mean, it's very cohesive. Well, it was when we were growing up. Very cohesive, nice neighborhood, and uh, you know, my uh, bo- both sides of my family came from. Even though my my uh, family on my mother's side is Russian, but uh, they they lived on the fringes of uh, Little Italy, more more east, and where Katz's Deli is that area. Oh, I know, right? Where that's it that's is, a, a lot of lot of Russians. Uh, and they're but still there. Uh, you know, it's amazing how you just cross over to Delancey or one of those, uh, and and you're on a totally different ethnic background. Then, yeah, the whole the whole world changed. No. Yeah. Well, the, the, was the lower east side, you know, that, that that whole there was so many different demographics and different heritages that just took over. Well, well, when, when uh, you know, at, at that time, an influx of uh, Asians, uh, and most of my friends, uh, in my formative years, like from the time I was maybe seven to 13, were Chinese. I went to, uh, there was a church there, Transfiguration. I was turned into a, a, a basically a, an elementary school, and it was mostly Chinese. Wow. And that's where I went. I tell you, I was I was I was about fourteen before I realized I wasn't Chinese. <laughs> I said I, I was I, I wondering why your eyes were slanted. <laughs> yeah, uh, neighborhood was great, and we stayed there. But my father died. My father died when I was fourteen. He owned the, the restaurant we talked about last night. But right. mm-hmm. I don't know, John. You remember Bachika Loop's funeral home? Of course. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, that's where my father was waked. Oh, and, oh uh, really? Oh, I, I was, wow. I was 14, that was my, my first experience Wake, have you ever had an experience with professional mourners? I, my aunt's are professional mourners. What does that mean? They go, ah. to, they go to funerals, they don't even know you. Really? They, they don't even they know go. you. Outside of, the, outside of Little Italy, no one knows what we're talking about. 
But these were as they wear black dresses. They like to walk around and pray for people, and they go and they they just like to do it. Yeah, especially Irish. They used to like go to the Irish because they had booze and food. Right, right. And they would well, go to the... Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I've and never heard ladies, that. ladies, they all looked the same. They wore black dresses with polka dots. That's crazy. It's and really you couldn't crazy. tell one, one from another, but I, I recall... My father was a popular guy in the neighborhood because he... Family was there since the turn of the century, but... So this is my first experience, and he's laid out in the coffin there, and I'm scared. I was 14. He died suddenly. Mm-hmm. And these women come in about... Four, four old ladies, I mean, these are all uh, 70s, 80s, and they start, I mean, they're pros. They start screaming. Bawling and screaming. Really? Oh, they, 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 they go throw the body, the body. You gotta pull them away. It's crazy. Uh, what? They're I'm so the confused. And, and, and they're yelling, Frankie, Frankie, we love you. Well, my father's name was not Frankie. What? So <laughs> they, they, they got confused. Guy in the next parlor. Oh, my gosh. No, they're so nice. Was, was Patsy. And I'm thinking, the hell is this guy Frankie? I tell you, this is a bad experience for a 14-year-old. I didn't know my father's name. I'm right. very confused. <laughs> uh, but I tell you, frightening. They yeah. yell at the top of their lungs. Oh, yeah. They were, uh, and they, they don't were, know the guy. They don't know anybody. You know, go from one just, parlor to they another. They have nothing to do. It's the thing they do. Then Saturday nights, they used to go to the football weddings. A football wedding is a sandwich wedding. And how I got the name of football weddings, because if I was at the other table, I'd say, hey, Paulie, you got a brazuta over there? And they throw it. In the <laughs> they throw it. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. I've yeah, never heard of any sense. of these things before. That's why you lived a very sheltered life. <laughs> I tell you, and they, they should toss these sandwiches, and nothing came apart. Yeah, they what? were wrapped in this little, uh, like, cellophane, not uh, cellophane, uh, wax paper. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they were tucked oh, they in. Have back and that's everything, kind of everything was these big trays of sandwiches mm-hmm. and beer. And all wine, if there was a, a high-end wedding, right. it was pitchers of wine and beer. And then my aunts would sit there, and all of a sudden, like half or two layers of the sandwiches were gone. They were in their purses. <laughs> They'd take everything. Oh, my gosh. No, that's the, I mean, they used to go to wakes. Normally, they did wakes on Wednesdays and Thursdays because they'd buried them on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So they have a big crowd at the church because everybody was working. Right. And then Saturday night, they'd go to weddings. Was Sunday afternoon? That's to crazy. Go to weddings. <laughs> Does, is that still happen, or was that just? No, that's stopped. Oh, it's you know the, the well, old people know. died off, and the young people wouldn't stay in the area. I mean, there, there's there's no room for advancement of life. Mm. You know, and uh, back then, twenty years ago, families were basically trapped in that neighborhood. Till so, you know the kids started to get educations. Everybody spoke English. No folks didn't. I mean, you can walk down the street. And the windows were, were always open, and the old ladies had these huge pillows put on the windowsill. The windowsill, and they'd sit there. And they'd lean Watch. out of the window, out. and they'd scream across the street to each other. Hey, Marie! I, you know, that's how the whole conversation was. No, it's crazy. Was, I mean, I, I'll tell you the truth, though. Maybe we need a little more of that, I think. Because, yeah, uh, very cohesive. It's, it's crazy. Uh, that's why it's, it's funny you wanted to bring this up today, because in the spring and summer is when I really like Mulberry Street in downtown Little Italy because um, not like you who moved away and then a lot of other people that they make it now on, on Friday nights they close the street at 5 o'clock Mulberry Street mm-hmm. they don't open it until 9 o'clock Sunday night to traffic mm-hmm. and all the restaurants have tables outside we have strolling musicians and I go down there all the time singing and hanging out that's so a nice. Fun place to go. I mean, it's really. Yeah, what's that? About a four-block stretch, Jim? Yeah. Well, no. They actually close all the way down a house thing, 
So it's about six blocks. But where you're talking about the restaurants from Canal, yeah, it's only about four blocks. And then the rest is all these new boutique shops. But they all took advantage of it now. Because, you know, they get a lot of people walking. Right. And they put their racks of stuff outside. And mm-hmm. it's, it makes it for a, a, a nice old feeling. Hmm. Now, you knowing the Chinese, Pat, did you ever meet uh, Billy Hong? No, I met Johnny Yang. Johnny Yang? I, uh, I, I, was he with the Tongs? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He was uh, uh, behind Osama bin Laden on the FBI's most wanted list. Oh, wow. Uh, he got a tip and he fled. Uh, he's in the People's Republic of China now. I mean, the guy, he would walk down the street. And well, you, you know how crowded Little Italy is. Oh, hello. So between the Italians and the Asians, you literally had to turn sideways to get through the crowds. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. When he walked down the street, people used to part like the Red Sea. Really? Yeah, he had a, I remember he had the signature Rolex that was encrusted in diamonds. Uh, not only the watch itself, watch band. Oh. Very, uh, uh, flamboyant character, but he ran everything down there. This Ang spelled the uh, uh, NG, not oh. ENG. He was quite a guy. Every, everybody knew him, very polite, but he was ruthless. Mm. And, oh, and the uh, one guy I was talking about, Billy, he could throw a meat cleaver about a block and hit you. Nice. Now that's an art. Yeah, and that is. I mean, they, and that's why I, I think most people, even today, uh, and Pat, you when you when you you were on the job here. You never saw a Chinaman in the newspaper. They never get arrested. They never break the law because they handle it themselves. Hmm. And they never talk to cops. Never. It's amazing. That's why, uh, you know, I first came in the job and hey, were two Chinese cops in the entire job of 48,000 cops. And they weren't in Chinatown. Forest Hills and Queens, I don't know where the other one was. But uh, every time something really important happened, they would... Uh, get a car, grab this guy in Queens and bring him to Chinatown. But it didn't do any good. I mean, he wasn't from the neighborhood. Uh, and they, they didn't speak to anybody. Homicides, took care of them. Yep. Well, they, took, they took care of everything. Because a lot. how I know that is because uh, Carl Gambino and, and Billy were very close. And they had a truce, you know, if one of our people did something south of Canal Street, you bring them to us, and if one of your people do something uh, to, in the Italian neighborhood, we'd bring them to you, rather than like you said, call a cop or something. But yeah. uh, it, it was an, it, it was interesting time of life, though. I, I mean, I, I have to say I enjoyed it because of the the different aspects and the things that were available that fell off trucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you you want to buy a suit? You don't go to a men's store. Cheech on the corner. He'll have yeah. a suit for you. Oh my gosh! That's crazy. Uh, I mean, what size do you wear? He'll come back in twenty minutes with your, with your back size. <laughs> oh yeah. But the, yeah, the, I mean, there's the still that, a lot of that going on with the designer handbags that are all counterfeit. Right. And they're not. But uh, and they catch it as you're coming off the train. Want to watch? Yeah. Want yeah, to watch? Right. Yeah, want to watch? Want a handbag? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thing that I remember the most, if I close my eyes now, I remember the smells. Oh my god, they were amazing. I mean, uh, you didn't even have to eat anything. Just walk down the street and take a whiff, man. That no. appetite was satisfied. I mean, aromas that just wafted across the neighborhood. Unbelievable. But I can tell you the ultimate 
uh, cohesive Italian community story uh, that still amazes people. When I was born, I was in uh, Manhattan General Hospital, which no longer exists, and the doctor who, who delivered me was a Chinese doctor. I was told, you I'm know, sorry, I was worry about you. He's Chinese. <laughs> Chinese doctor. His name was Doctor Bong. Oh, was, yeah. He's 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 departed this well a long time ago. But anyway, uh, now you have to follow uh, along with this. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. So my my mother giving birth twins, me and my sister, hmm. in the same room. Mother's brother, Mike, my. Mike, his wife, giving birth to a son. They're in the same room. Mm. So now they give birth at the same time. What are the odds? Wow. And, That's insane. Uh, and now that's where it gets weird. In <laughs> Italian communities, when a baby's born, there's no such thing in these hospitals as visiting hours. Oh, they yeah, just they stay there. block. I mean, the whole friggin' hood. Those, they want to see they want to see the babies. They jam themselves in the room. They start passing around the kids. <laughs> you know, so this is this is a tradition. Everybody's kissing the kids and hugging the kids and they're taking pictures. Well, you start to grow up. You know? And I'm about 12, 13 years old. And I look remarkably like my uncle. Oh, my gosh. And my... Oh, somebody switched you. <laughs> listen to this. I'm, <laughs> this is serious. I, I, I stand next to each other. I mean, I saw pictures of him when he was in World War II. Twins, we're twins. And his boy that was born that same day in that same room looks exactly his cousin. Anyway, he looks exactly like my twin sister. Oh my gosh. And to, you know, well. and at the beginning, it was a joke. Mm-hmm. And everybody laughed about it. But the older we got and the more the resemblances got pronounced, it got to be scary. So it got to a point where where my sister and I are entering adulthood and do we want to take this any further find out where we actually switched I mean the, the resemblance uncanny mm-hmm. well now with all this you know uh, tra- trace your family bloodline you could do that for about $20 yeah I know but why you know, why ruin it now though exactly I mean I had a good family and that's they, amazing so, and uh, it's it's always a question when families uh, get together they all have a couple of cocktails and they they talk about it. I was very close to my uncle. I, said, I mean, just amazing the way semblance and and my cousin and my sister. They they look like twins. So did you ever find out, or you just left no. it? We could have, mm-hmm. you know, but after a while, why why do it? Yeah, we, right. they didn't know when we were young, but we teenagers, and you already spent like twelve or thirteen years of your life right. with a family. Yeah, what are you going to do? Switch? Yeah, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change anything. So. But uh, wow, now that's, that's those are tight. Those are tight knit. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, down there. I mean, well, that's it was that. I mean, you know, I'm surprised you were even born in a hospital because we had midwives, mm-hmm. and um, they they used to come and, and deliver the babies, which was even like you're saying, you know. And now every kid has got sterile, and you can't do this, you can't touch them. And like you're saying, they're pissing around the kids. Yeah, like, these kids are right. Everybody's drunk. Hours old. Everybody's smoking. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I think kissing on my own. Cigar ashes all over me. Nobody cares. Oh, my cared. gosh. I, I could always remember my grandfather. I, I, I mean, I always wanted to kiss him, but his, his mouth smelled like an ashtray. Mm. Oh, yeah. He used to smoke those Denobili cigars. 
and his oh. teeth were on, and the worst. He come over, give me a kiss, and he said, "Oh no, please." Oh, God. <laughs> but with so many kids in the family at that time, my father's parents, uh, my my grandmother lived to be 101, my grandfather lived to be 104. Wow. And they were ancient when I was born. Mm-hmm. And every time I went to see them, I had to reintroduce myself. <laughs> I mean, it was so so many freaking kids. They they got confused. Everybody has kids. Everybody's running around. Oh, everybody had eight, seven, to ten kids. It was That's crazy. crazy. Nobody, nobody knows who's who. Yeah. And my I, I, my godfather, I never knew his last name. Oh. Well, he was to me. He was Pat. He was Patty the priest. Okay. And and his oh, brother was nicknames were the whole thing. Yeah. Everybody they had, had nicknames. They all had nicknames. names. Nobody used their last names. No, that's Addie that's because the they didn't want to get arrested, you know. Patty <laughs> the priest and Nick the Pope was his brother. That's how I knew them. Well, look at that's me. It. I mean, my whole my whole life, basically, until I was like twenty five years of age, wasn't people knew me as the kid. Right. The kids coming, and that was. But I loved it. It was perfect. You know, because it, and before nine eleven, you could buy. An airline ticket is Joe Smith. They didn't care. You didn't even need ID mm-hmm. as long as you paid for it. Yeah, yeah nobody questioned no, it. No, it's crazy. I met my cousin. Cousin, I was 14. I, I met him at my father's funeral. It was Sonny. Well, I called him Sonny. That was his real name. I still, to this day, I don't know his real name. He, he comes into the, to the wake, and everybody, even, even the old ladies who were screaming. Mm-hmm. This, this guy must have been a really... Involved, connected guy, wearing sunglasses, and it's you was know his how, last name Franchese. <laughs> I, I don't know how. Well, you know, Johnny, how dimly lit those funeral parlors oh, are. Oh yeah, hello, yeah. So he walks in with sunglasses on, and that's how he got the nickname Sonny. This guy does twenty-five years sticking up a pizzeria. Oh, I said he must have been a real incorrigible. Well, you know why uh, he did twenty-five years the pizzeria. Didn't have flour and it had cocaine. <laughs> it's called the French Connection. <laughs> and I thought all this was quite normal. Mm-hmm. Oh, we did too. But I mean, we actually knew when we had funerals if wise guys were coming because all their people would come first mm. and check everybody out to see if there was a problem with somebody that was already in there that they were having problems with. But. Uh, and we and and the FBI always went to every funeral, every wake I knew. They were all outside all the time. Yeah, I, got, I thought they were invited guests. What did yeah. I know? It, well, you liked all that though. You that's you're a cop in my neighborhood. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I, that when I was a kid, I had no intentions. <laughs> in fact, when I became a cop, I had no intentions. When was that? I, when did you become a cop? Sixty-eight. I had I gotten out of Vietnam. I was aimless. I had a high school education. I had no ambition. I was happy I was alive. Mm-hmm. I'm walking down a school one day, uh, walking down a block one day, and I pass a high school. At that time, uh, Mayor John Lindsay had just got elected. Mayor Lindsay, I liked him. Mayor man. Lindsay, good-looking guy, yeah. <laughs> handsome John, and he really? got elected oh. on the platform of adding 3,500 cops to the NYPD. It was in 1968, at the height of the Vietnam War. Nobody wanted to be a cop. Everybody was anti-establishment. Right. So he uh, to, to become a New York City police officer, you have to jump through many hoops just to get the application. And making out the application, you wait months for all this. He comes up with this bright idea to have walk-in police tests. You don't, you don't apply. You just walk in, take the test, sign your name, and I'll call you later. Hmm. So I'm walking past the high school, and there's a bunch of guys standing out front. Naturally, you know, what's going on? 
explained to me that there's a walk-in police test. I said, well, I got about 20 minutes to you know get to the next card game, wherever I was going. And I and I uh, I walked in, took the test. I got 105. Was that possible? Yeah. Well, I was a wounded vet. Oh. They gave me an extra five points. So wow. I went from not having any inclination or desire to become a cop because I came from. There's one thing, you know, my father never wanted me to be, you know, cop. He's probably mm. doing doing flip flops to this day. I mean, he was paying everybody off, and you know, you know how the police. I mean, oh, you yeah, know, no. it was all different So, you know, for <laughs> somebody in in, a, in a, an Italian family from that neighborhood, be a cop, very odd. Mm. So I, I, I went from not giving a damn in May when I took the test, I sw- sworn in in October. So your your father uh, basically died in in the late 50s? Died in 1960. 60. Well, that's was, the late 50s. Yeah, well, it was 60 follows well. 59. Yeah. No, because, I, you know, it, it was funny because uh, Bacha Galoop and, and, and so many others, uh, they, they controlled about seven or eight funeral homes, the mob did, and they would do anything. I mean, I, I mean it was uh, uh, replicated in Godfather 1 when The Undertaker... On the oh, on, yeah. my, on my wedding day, went to talk to my father-in-law, mm-hmm. Don Corleone, to get a yeah. favor done. And uh, at that time, they were introducing at the time because my friends, uh, Harry Pontoon, South Brooklyn Casket Company, they were ordered to make double deckers. They used to call them the duplex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So you know what that's about? No. Okay, see, you should ask what a duplex is. When, <laughs> I thought you were going to explain. <laughs> well, what do you think? It was like a tall bus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's like a like a double double decker bus type. Right. Thing? This, oh, is, this okay. is a no, different no. kind of thing. Oh, Johnny, no. explain the whole oh, 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 okay, I gotcha. So what they would do when they d- had to take somebody out, they mm-hmm. would deliver him to the undertaker. He would do a fast wrapping of an embalmment, mm-hmm. and he'd be on the first floor. And the real body being awake on top of him, and they never knew where the guy went. He got buried in a legitimate funeral home at a, in a cemetery. That's where there's same so coffin. many bodies missed. The same coffin. And that's how they used to get rid of the bodies years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. These people vanished without a trace. That's what they vanished to. Hello. You know how many people are still looking for people? They'll never find them, obviously. Oh, but gosh. that's why they, you know that's why most of the funeral homes were connected to mob guys. Mm. And they're financed. You know, they, he didn't go get a, a car loan for twelve uh, limousines and hers. The neighborhood guys would take care of it, and then they'd say, you know, when we need a favor, we expect you to do it. Mm. It's funny. I mean, I remember my friend uh, Johnny Santor. His father owned Santors, and um, we always wanted to take a limousine out at night, you know, because well, the girls, you know, we'd see him. He was older than us, so we'd go get a, uh, you know, one of the cars, beautiful, you know four-door Cadillac and the father every once in a while John Sr. would say listen while you guys are out because we used to go to Brooklyn all the time St. Fortunatus, Regina Padres it was all the dances and all the girls were there and then on the way home he said do me a favor John with your friends go to JFK and pick up a bag and we didn't know what we were doing until the first two or three times we would go to the morgue out of JFK and pick up a body and throw it in the trunk of the car to head back downtown. Mm-hmm. 
So one night we were, I guess, bobbing and weaving. We, everybody was drinking us before DUI. And they pulled us over in the Bell Parkway. And we were all carrying guns, first of all. So we had to get rid of those and stash them everywhere. And then they came with flashlights looking. And they said, everybody get out of the car. And we said, oh my God. Mm. Probably now. Uh-oh. And so, but the good news about it, the body in the trunk saved us. So we oh. get out of the car, and I said, uh, Your Honor, I said, I mean, Your Honor, I said, Officer, I, I have to let you know my, my friend's father owns a, an undertaking bottle, and this is not our car. He said, I figured that. He said, So you didn't steal it? I said, We didn't steal it. I said, uh, and I said John, which, where's your father's cards? And he always had a card, you know, Santos funeral home. Right. So um, we, we give the guy the card, and we thought he was going to go away. And he's, and he's wondering why we were so still trembling. We're leaving. <laughs> and I says, uh, why don't you open the trunk? Oh, boy. Oh, gosh. And I said, officer, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> Why'd you forget to tell me? On the way back, we just picked up a body. And I mean, <laughs> we were on the side of the Belfarquery for another hour or two. By the time they verified everything, they called the airport. That didn't, they, they woke up John Santos' father like four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> he said, do tell you, because he's not an undertaker. He's not allowed to do that stuff. <laughs> but they let us go, but I mean, that's crazy. The, the stuff that those days you can get away with was insane, insane. It's crazy. And that's and where they would have said, wakes in people's apartments. Oh, my grandmother was buried in the house, man. What? Oh, yeah. They would never, they would wake her at home, take out the couch, and that's where the box went. The couch went outside for four days. <laughs> really? Well, yeah. The, they, I mean, even the Italian families now, they, you know, I mean, the ones that are respectful. Their grandmother stays in the house until they leave. They ain't sending her to no home or nothing like that. Mm -hmm. But when they died, they were there. And, and, the, and, the, and the scariest thing in my grandfather's house, he took a replica of everybody. Maybe it's a lock of your hair, a photograph. He put it in like uh, the preservative jars. So you'd have the picture and the hair behind it and the date you die. And then we, he had a, a, a wall maybe of 20 deceased people. It was so <laughs> morbid to, to go there. Was, and when the women, their husbands, oh my they're, God. they're literally in mourning for the rest of their lives. They wear black. Really? The rest of their lives. They never change. Wear black. They, That's it. They could be 40 years old when, when the husbands die. They die when they're 85. All they ever wear is black and they remain in mourning. And respect. Wow. And respect oh, yeah. the husbands. Yeah. Even if the husbands beat the shit out of them. Yeah, yeah, I mean the worst. Make a difference. Doesn't make a difference. That's the way. That's the and way the other thing, that, you know, why the old Italians wanted it, and I found this in Sicily, hmm. even when the daughters, you know, like you're saying, the husband could have died young. They wanted the, the people, the young men in the in the neighborhood, to know you can't touch that woman. She's been married already. Oh, okay. And it's a thing like that. And so they became spinsters, even if they didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Because that, that have to move out of the neighborhood. They would never do that. Mm. And, and they wouldn't do that. People are born there and died there. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Wow. But, you know, it's, um, but the neighborhood, on the, on the bright side of things, like we're saying, this time of the year, it's the best time to go down. I need to go. Oh, you have to come. Well, I told you when, when your father comes in. With the, we'd go down there in the afternoon, maybe 2 o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, and it's midnight, we're still there. Just wow. drinking wine and singing Watching songs. all the people. Watching the people, it's so much fun. I mean, that, that's 
the part of Little Italy that still exists, fortunately. Because even the feast, it's like 100 years old, I think, in two years. It's just it's a, a mishmash of everything in the world. Carnival mm. stands and selling tacos. <laughs> and you, you get, you, you know, you go into a, a fine restaurant and you're eating on the street, outside. Yeah. Outside. It's fabulous. That's so cool. You know, I, I, the, the thing that reminded me uh, closest to that was the night I met you for the first time, Gianni, and we, uh, when you're coming in for the vodka event, we touched on it uh, in the last episode, but we, we ate outside. Oh, yeah, it was fabulous. Malineros. Remember Malineros? Yeah. That's I mean, why there's I been a hundred people restaurant. eating on the sidewalk. Yeah. Really? Yeah, but it's, hey. uh, that sounds awesome. I need to go. Well, You've never been to Little there Italy. There were some Italy, great traditions, so. though. I haven't been to Manhattan, Little Italy, no, but I live in the Bronx, Little Italy, so a little oh, different. But oh, Arthur Avenue, Arthur yeah. Avenue has a similarity, but it doesn't have the culture of it. I mean, you don't think? Particularly now, I know it. Italian oh. restaurants. No, I know everybody. I mean, they, I figured you would Mike's know. Mike's and everybody. I know everybody. Yeah, Dominic's. Yeah, Dominic's. The Italian restaurants that area of the Bronx section there mostly owned by albanians now yeah. yes that is true the yeah. uh, that's yeah. definitely a, a large oh, no. albanian population around yeah. me yeah. and there's i mean Which even the albanians in new york city i mean I, I thought for the longest time with ninos and all these places they're all from albania mm. but they all speak italian so you don't know right and the look is and they know i don't see anybody knocking down the door to go to an albanian restaurant mm -hmm. so they buy italian restaurants <laughs> Because they knew every Jew in New York is going to show up. It's like, huh. no, and the food's still good. I oh no, the food is great. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, yeah the recipe is the recipe. I mean, you know. But and, uh, and, and and what's good about Little Italy? One of the a couple of the restaurants uh, downtown. One of the, the names that escapes me. We all eat at a at a, at a uh, communal table. All strangers. Oh Couple. yeah, they had a lot of those. That's mm -hmm. the one I'm thinking of. That the, that the cop owned. A cop. No, he doesn't own it. He's always there. Uh, Sonny. Oh, Sonny Grasso. Grasso. Oh, no. that's No, Sonny. Sonny was there every Monday night. Yeah, what's the name of the restaurant? Uh, I forgot. Uh, it starts with a P. Uh, it's it's oh, right. Puglia's. Yeah. Puglia's. That's it. It's Puglia. Puglia's. Um, and that's but, what it was. They had a table like right down the middle of the restaurant, maybe 20 people, and that was a community table. But people went to meet people. So it was, it was fabulous, you know. And you sit with people that you don't know, and the food comes out, not to you, it goes it, in the middle of the table. It's family style. Really? And you yeah. just pay. Yeah, and That's there's all so kinds of food. Yeah, yeah. so you, maybe you pay $12 to sit there. Mm -hmm. But you eat everything, meatballs, anything. Anything they had in the kitchen, they wanted to get rid of, they put on that table. <laughs> That's so and, and, interesting. And the is still there, and it's still the same. Yeah, huh. still there. And, and, and Sonny still goes there. when They were thinking about making a... a, a, a feature film about me back in the day. Anyway, Sonny Grasso uh, has his own production company at an office on 3rd Avenue, so I figured it's I'd be- It's Grasso meet. Jacobson. Yeah, with, with Jacobson. Yeah, I know. So I figured I'd be meeting him there. No, all my business, my heavy business in Puglia's. Yeah, uh -huh. and now, you know, now he moved his location. He's not well though, just so you know. Uh, Sonny yeah. Grasso, the guy we're talking about, we all know more, you all do, our listeners. He, he was the original guy in the French Connection, and they um, I mean him and, uh, Doyle, Popeye Doyle. Yeah, that, that, he was that character in real life, mm. and uh, so he was a famous cop. And then uh, they had many, many shows. Him and uh, uh, I just mentioned his name, Jacobs. What was his, uh, his partner's name? I forgot the guy. I, I forgot his first name. 
Yeah, but the, now they moved to Rayos. I don't oh, know I've why. Been there many they, times. I, I, I guess Frankie Pellegrino, you know, he, he left Puglia's and they go up there. But Sonny doesn't look well at all. Well, he's got to be well into his 80s now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's walking with a cane and he's had a lot of ailments. But uh, mm. it's uh, a different time, unfortunately. But, um, you know. Little Italy, here we are talking about Little Italy. It's, it's amazing. My <laughs> well, life I'm still almost, goes on in Little Italy. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm almost afraid to go down there again because I'll be thinking the way it used to be. Right, how it's well, changed. You got to come with me in the summertime, man. That, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll that, That's probably the closest thing of what you ever remembered is that because everybody's hanging out. You know, I, I had a desire. I was teaching in the police academy, break from the street. While and uh, I hadn't been down to my father's restaurant since he died. I mean, I was 14 then, and I'm a cop. I'm in my 20s. So I gather up all my friends and we go down there, and it's now a Chinese restaurant. Everything's a Chinese restaurant. Oh, that's funny. But I, I go in there, and there's only Chinese people there. Guy comes up to me and he says, You can't eat here. What? Can't eat here. Just for Chinese people. They only serve Chinese. Really? They only serve Chinese well, people. Yeah, so anyway, when I was a kid, uh, I painted pictures, two horses' heads. I had virtually no talent. <laughs> horses look like cockroaches. And there was no resemblance <laughs> of a horse. horse. But of course, you know, my father, you know, I, I could I could have drawn an X on a piece of paper. You know, he's proud dad. Oh. Frames frames these two horses' heads and he puts them on top of the bar, right next to the ceiling, so that there was like a ledge on top of the bar. And it, you know, I was like seven or eight when I did this. Mm. Now, fast forward 20 years, I walk into this place and this guy's telling me, you know, uh, he was polite, but he said, and everybody turns around, they stop eating, turn around, they stare at you. I would be comfortable eating in there anyway, but he says, no, you can't eat here, only for Chinese people. And a couple of my friends, they started to get a little, you know, uppity, you know, I, I quieted them down. Meanwhile, I turn to the bar, and then that's you. The whole thing has been gutted, and it's different. But two horses had pictures are still there. You're kidding. No. Do you know why? It, that's crazy. I had no idea, but, but I do you know why? Me. I'm going to tell you why. Chinese people are too short; they couldn't get up to them. Unless that's they probably it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it makes sense to me. But I, when I looked at these pictures, and I uh, told this the guy, the owner of the store, who just you know, spoke decent English, I said, you know. I, I painted those. But to me, the father was Patty Rose. That's what they called him. Uh-huh. It was the Red Rose Bar and Grill. I said, yeah. And that was the end of that. It's like the like the Red Sea party. Then you started wow, to you were down. able to eat there oh, now? Yeah. You yeah. sit down. They fed us. Wow. Never got a check. I mean, we took care of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, a lot of those Chinese, too, once they saw Italian-looking people, mm-hmm. they, they didn't want to be intimidated and... Bull, you know, shaking down. See, so four or five Italians go in there and, and they see how they act. Yeah, and they were shaking down these Chinese for a while. Oh, especially being yeah. on, especially being on the other side of Canal Street. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, the, they had to get that straightened out fast. Yeah, especially when you were going. If you were only twenty, forget it. Because <laughs> yeah. they didn't want them on that side of the street. Well, now they're everywhere. I mean, it's, it, oh little Italy itself now is like. Maybe three square blocks. Yeah, but the interesting thing about them, though, they're such smart business people. They bought the buildings. They're the landlords. It's amazing. The only guy that didn't is Matty the Horse, 
And he Lionello? Bought, yeah, he bought, he bought up everything. And um, he, I mean, this guy, well, we, we have, most people know him, but uh, Matted Horse owned so many clubs and restaurants and uh, everything, Umberto's Clam Houses, where it was a legend. Mm. Where, you know, uh, I love that Joey Gallo got killed on his 40th birthday. That's it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. But in fact, I talking about your uh, Arthur Avenue. Uh-huh. The last time I was in Arthur Avenue, uh, Matt Edelhorst just came out of prison, mm-hmm. and the old man's sick, and he opened up Umberto's up there. Really? It was right there on the corner, outside seating, and it was perfect. And I went. Is up that there. still there, Megan? I don't think it is. Right, right. You know where it is? Right on the corner. You know where Big Mike's Market is? It's on that corner. No, I don't. That's no, probably gone. Yeah, they might. They might be gone. Yeah. yeah. But I'm. Is the Limehouse still down there, Johnny? No, no, that's gone. That's gone. Limehouse is gone. Yeah. I used to go to with my dad. Yeah. Mm. No, all of that. I mean, there's other places that are really, really down. I think we should go to the mailbag. You want to? I think yeah. it's why not, man. It's that time. Enough for the stroll down memory lane. <laughs> I hope we didn't put well, anybody I'll, I'll, to yeah, I'm going to start crying any second here. So let's move on. Oh. Yeah. All right. So we have a question from Kevin. And Kevin said, Gianni, so rumor has it that you were given the part in The Godfather because the mafia wanted to have someone keep an eye on how they were being portrayed. Any truth to that? Somewhat. But I mean, no, by that time, they already had it under control. I mean, Joe Colombo got me the part in The Godfather. That's a known fact. Mm-hmm. And by that time, a, a young attorney, Barry Schlotnick, who was the attorney for the Italian-American Defamation League, went through the script. And it was ironic because, this is a funny story, a, a good question. Kevin, was it? Yep. And, and uh, I'm the only person in The Godfather movie that used all the slang that they promised not to use. And the reason I used it, because to me, I, I, you had to say it. And the Italian saying guinea didn't mean anything. It's like, you know, a black person calling another one their favorite name. Mm-hmm. But with that said, the, the day we shot the scenes of me beating up my wife was a week after Joe Colombo was assassinated or attempted assassinated. He lived in a coma for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I go on the set and I start using that language. And, and the Coppola says, what are you, crazy? We can't use that. I say, he's dead. He can't say nothing to you. <laughs> and I used it. And that's when I call they him Kenny Brad. Word, Come uh, on, you Kenny Brad. Kill is, is it true, Johnny, they didn't use the word the mafia once? You know, I can't recall them. No. No, they didn't. Yeah, yeah no. no. No, they referred to this thing of ours, our families, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Not the word. No. Well, that's all the stuff they couldn't use. Yeah. But uh, no, but I just thought it was funny because I, I was just laughing at it, you know, because, I mean, come on, Guinea. <laughs> we used to call them Guineas, you whop. You know, we would tease each other, so we called names ourselves. <laughs> when could an Italian say that? We said it all the time. Mm-hmm. With each other. That's when somebody else calls you that. Well, that's, that's what like I was calling her. You're Guinea brat. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Okay, so next question is from Elias Kawam. And Elias asks, would you happen to know the in-depth story of the case of Jimmy Hoffa and his death, and if you had any any sort of association with Hoffa himself? I had no association. No? I had none, if the FBI's listen, none <laughs> to do with it. Never met the man. It, it, it was Nixon who pardoned him for a favor to some people out of Chicago, mm-hmm. and the, the reason 
for the people who don't know why Jimmy Hoffa was killed, while he was in jail, he found God, and he was going to come out, and he wanted to, you know, take over the Teamsters again. A, a very close friend of all of ours was Frank Fitzsimmons. He was running that. Mm -hmm. And in Kansas City is where you made your loan applications, and that was with the Savella family. Mm. <laughs> and they, they were responsible for putting out maybe $200 million of the pension fund of the Brotherhood. In fact, I borrowed $32 million when I was building my hotel and was on a federal wiretap, and I got caught on the wiretap dealing with the Savellas. So they knew, and Chicago got in touch with Nixon and said, pardon them, because mm -hmm. we don't need this guy blowing up this whole thing. We're, we're building Vegas with that money. Right. <laughs> and they pardoned them, and, and that Buick Electra disappeared, went to Staten Island to a, a, and they took the axle and the motor block out, and they just crushed it. And, mm. and the heat friction alone, there is no DNA, never could be traced. But uh, Jimmy Hoffa is not buried at Giant Field. He's not buried anywhere everybody says he is. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, there's so many rumors. Okay. But I know nothing about that. So Okay. Did that. you happen? He also Unlike, asks, oh. he also asked, would you happen to know his ethnic background? Italian, Greek, Dutch, Irish? All of that. All of it? Oh, Jimmy Hoffa? Yeah. He was a mark. He's asking yeah, if he knew his ethnic mark. background. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had everything in him, all kinds of blood. And the, the reason he went by Hoffa, because he was so Irish, mm -hmm. and most of the truck drivers and Teamsters. That's what Costello was so smart. He With dropped the Sicilian name. Right. What was he, Castagna or something? Yeah. And when he came here, he, he went, you know, when he saw what was going on, especially mm -hmm. with the police department, the fire department, and he, he created so many legitimate businesses. Right. And to be Frank Costello with Joe Kennedy during Prohibition, mm -hmm. it was even smarter. Yeah, that is pretty smart. Because he was playing both ends of the fence. Because mm -hmm. the Italians were robbing the bootleggers. <laughs> <laughs> so he had it both ways. That's great. All right, so the last one is uh, one of our iTunes reviews. Oh, great. Yeah, so this one is from, <laughs> the name is just Kiss That Goodbye. So <laughs> there's that. Um, what does Mr. Kiss have to say? <laughs> Kiss that goodbye? Kiss that goodbye okay, is, his, is okay. his nickname. So they gave us five stars. And he said, I heard Mr. Russo, Mr. Russo on the Savage Nation podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found his stories to be so captivating, I could not stop listening. Thank you for bringing your life and insights and adventures to the rest of the world. I cannot wait to hear the stories you have to share more. Tune in, get your friends, have a listening party. And we're going to open phone lines soon, so we'll talk to you directly, too. It'll be a lot of fun. And we appreciate all your interests, all your questions, and obviously, uh, tune in again. You know, we put a new show up every Wednesday night, and Megan gives all the instructions on how to become a follower, a, a subscriber, and mm -hmm. uh, keep the cards and letters coming. <laughs> <laughs> Who used to say that? What? Somebody used to Just say make that. that up. Oh, I don't know. No, um, it was somebody at the other night of their show. They sign off and say, "I love you," and keep your cards and letters coming. <laughs> I'll, I'll think of it by next week. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Well, thank you all again. Anybody that's out there, God bless you, and uh, we'll give you a new story every Wednesday night, man. We promise it to be exciting. <laughs>
Where did the time go? It's crazy. Every time. Yeah. So fun. All right. Good night, Shani. Good night, Megan. Good night, good night guys. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. Email Gianni Russo with your questions, comments, and for information regarding his motivational speaking appearances to Gianni at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com. Email Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments to Patrick at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com and visit Amazon.com for a listing of books he has written. I'm Megan Horan. I can be emailed at Megan at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com and would enjoy hearing from you. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. But most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails. Good night.